Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I'm your host, Blake Rasmussen, but you are here today to talk to these two fine gentlemen who have done a ton of work on Phyrexia All Will Be One. We're going to talk previews today. We're going to talk previews with one Adam Prosak and Corey Bowen. Uh, they're here to talk about the things you see at the bottom, the set booster exclusive previews, plus a handful of main set previews that tickled our fancy. Uh, so we're just going to talk previews, previews, previews. We'll do a little Q&A at the end uh, for any questions you all might have for Adam or Corey. But uh, before we get into that, Corey, let's, let's talk a little bit about how, what you worked on on the set, what your role was, etc., etc. Corey? Hello, I'm Corey. I was the lead game designer for the one Commander decks, including the set booster exclusive cards, which we'll be looking at today. Yeah. And yeah, my name's Adam. I am a senior game designer here at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and I was the set lead for the main set uh, of Frexia All Will Be One. Yeah, so we're going to start with Corey, mostly. Adam can chime in uh, whenever he wants, of course. But, uh, Corey, you were you know, the lead on these, main, these commander set booster cards, correct? Yeah, I had taken over for another lead. Okay. Um, but for a good amount of time, I was you know, helping design these and control them and putting them through our testing process. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about some of these set booster collector cards. And we are going to start, um, of course, in Ruberg order because we do things in the right order here. Uh, we're going to start with Sky Hunter Strike Force. Uh, Sky Hunter Strike Force is a two and a white creature, Cat Knight, flying with melee and lieutenant, as long as you control your commander. Other creatures you control have melee. It's a 2-2. Of note, before we start talking about these, we're going to show them all like this with the regular version on the left, the extended version on the right. The regular version on the left shows up in set boosters. The extended version on the right shows up in collector boosters. So, Corey, talk to us a little bit about this keyword soup. Yeah, well, I love soup and I love keywords uh, for individual reasons. But this has melee, it has lieutenant. These are two commander-oriented keywords uh, from the past, from different sets. Um, thought it'd be cool to bring them together to have a card that uh, kind of combines those factors. That's also a theme we'll see a lot is a lot of reprise keywords among these set booster cards. Although these two are more showing the commander side. Mm -hmm. um, kind of the intent of these cards is to be more oriented towards that format than others. Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned that we are going to get a bunch of repurposed keywords on that. Was that intentional for these, or, or why did we revisit a bunch of keywords for uh, these cards in particular? Yeah, there's, uh, it, was, it was definitely intentional to do it. Uh, Frexia and the Plane of Mirrodin and all the things it was and used to be and now is has a lot of sets, a lot of history. It's fun mm -hmm. to bring back some very resonant mechanics from those history. Kind of like remember this, remember that. Yep. Here's a different way we're doing this with modern design uh, takes. Um, obviously, melee lieutenant do not show up in any Frexia or Mirrodin stuff. They're just cool to me, and I thought they fit quite well with uh, the other variety of cards we have going on here. All right. Um, one card that does have one of those mechanics that we saw before is our next preview, which is called Mirage Mockery. This is two and a blue for a sorcery. That says, choose one, create a token that's a copy of target artifact creature you control, or create a token that's a copy of target non-artifact creature you control, and then it has entwine for two and a blue. Corey. Yep, it's entwine. It's a cool clone. What's not to love about cloning your artifact creatures or your regular creatures? I think this is pretty good. I mean, six mana for a double clone, if you have the right board, is pretty sweet. Always love to clone your... Uh, sad robots or solemn simulacrums, mm -hmm. whatever the name actually is. Solemn simulacrums, it. yep. That one. Uh, but yeah, it, I, this is mostly trying to get an entwined design that feels really cool and appealing. I think we certainly su succeeded there. Yeah. All right. Next up, Synthesis Pod. This is uh, this is one of the coolest designs, and I, I know there's a, quite a bit of story around this. A lot of this is going to look just aesthetically familiar to a lot of uh, longtime fans. So this looks very much like Birthing Pod. That's three and a blue Phyrexian mana in the cost. It's an artifact and it has an activated ability for one and a blue Phyrexian mana and tap. And then it says, exile a spell you control. So that's on the stack, correct? Yes, much okay. like Niv Magus whatever. This yeah. exile spells right off the stack. Okay, so target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a card 
with mana value equal to 1 plus the exiled spell's mana value. Exile that card, then that player shuffles. You may cast that exiled card without paying its mana cost. So obviously this is a pretty cool callback to Birthing Pod, but what's the story behind this card? Yeah, I mean, at the, at the very beginning of this card's life, it had a very simple name. It was called Blue Pod, mm -hmm. uh, which was a very clear... A set of rails, set of goals to achieve is what is Blue Pod. Yeah. Um, and this card actually went through quite a lot of iterations. It was very important to us that we felt like Blue Pod, that we were sacrificing, in a sense, your your spells to get different spells. Um, sometimes it was just instance and sorcery spells, sometimes it was some other stuff, but we came up with this iteration uh, after a lot of playtesting with a new team we have in the studio. Uh, we have a casual play design team that does our CFL tests. This is a lot like our competitive play design team, okay. but they focus more on um, not just commander, but it's primarily commander, 60 card formats, more casual oriented stuff, but most of their time is put through looking at the commander cards and testing the commander cards more thoroughly than we have before. We're making more commander cards than ever. Mm -hmm. Hundred card decks that are singleton happen to be very inefficient to test over and over. Yep. So with a new devoted team that spends all their time thinking about the balance of these cards, this card went to the throws and ended up in this shape, which I think is quite cool. I think when I look at this card, I'm reminded of uh, Chaos Wand and the like, and I'm a big fan of Chaos Wand, mm -hmm. which is another spell or another artifact that lets you cast random spells from your opponents. Uh, so that's that's kind of where Synthopod, Synthesis Pod landed, a, a card that uh, CFL told me uh, needed to be more fun, and then we made it more fun, and here it is now. Cool. So the the CFL, and I'm not sure if I heard this or not, or if it was from when we were talking before the show. Yeah. This was the first set that they really started going. Right. Uh, I remember them looking vaguely at Bro Commander, but yeah. this was the first set they were full throttle. Right, they they just formed and they worked on some of the uh, Brothers War Commander stuff a little bit. Okay. But and the the team was fully formed and fully you know full power by the time uh, we got to uh, Frexia. And I had a, I had a lot of fun working with CFL. It was really you know refreshing and eye opening to spend a period of time like a month or month or two or whatever with this team uh, having meetings focusing just on how we can improve these cards with so much different feedback than we usually get. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a really blast for me as a typical commander lead. And I'm, I've, I've really enjoyed working with them on future sets and I'm really excited to continue working on them as they grow their philosophy. Cool. Yeah, huge ad for me as well. Like, uh, I learned a lot about commander and like what Specifically, like what balance looks like in a multiplayer casual environment, mm -hmm. like Commander. Mm -hmm. um, it's I, I just learned a ton from the, the team, just even from day one. Cool. All right. Well, let's look at our next preview card. This is called Monumental Corruption. So this is a black card that costs three and two black mana for a sorcery. Target player draws X cards and loses X life, where X is the number of artifacts you control. Corey. Yeah, I mean, this is very simple, very sweet. I'm a big fan of black card draw spells. Fun fact, I'm also the black color pack counselor. Okay. So black card draw is basically all I live for. But I'm also a big fan of artifact strategies. And when we can make sweet mono black cards that play into artifact strategies, that makes me very happy. On these kind of designs particularly, it's, uh, you know, what is it, taint, or the X spell that's XBB, you, our target player draws X and loses X. Mm -hmm. What I really like about this card is that you can target anyone. You can draw your own cards and lose your own life, but if you have enough artifacts, sometimes you can just defeat your opponents right yeah, there. That's what Starting I'm them, at. who cares how many cards they draw, you're making them lose life and that's what matters. Uh, so a big fan of the versatility in this and the very straightforward uh, draw spell. All right. Next up, we have... It, I did not catch the reference the first, like, eight times I looked at this card, but there's definitely a reference here. So this is Chiscoria Forge Tyrant, six and three red for a legendary creature dragon with affinity for artifacts. It's got flying. It's got haste. Whenever Chiscoria Forge Tyrant attacks, exile the top five cards of your library. You may cast an artifact spell from among them this turn. If you do, it has affinity for artifacts. It also happens to be a 5-4. Okay, 
A lot to unpack here, but Adam, you were talking before the show about the reference here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have Close to 20 years ago, um, original Mirrodin was released, and they had these two cards, they had the Tooth of Chiscoria and the Scale of Chiscoria. Yeah, just powerhouses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. actually, I actually played one of them in United States Nationals in, I'm going to say, 2004. Okay. Sounds about the, the right time frame. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, super deep reference. Haven't seen the, you know this character in 20-some years. <laughs> Not even referenced, and here we are. Uh, yeah, those cards were um, often 14th picks. Um, they did make the cut because they were basically free and yeah, were artifacts and mm -hmm. sort of did a thing. So uh, this does a lot more, though, Corey. That's yeah, true. This does a lot more than its three-mana scale and what was it? It was a two? Tooth. tooth and scale. Sorry, I'm not as familiar with the tooth and scale Chiscoria. <laughs> I'm making this card, designing this card with, with my other designers, and it is the, the crowd of other designers who say, hey, do you know what would be really cool? A Chiscoria card. It, it's a dragon. It's got a name. It's got two cards. And i like, yeah. It's got something to do with affinity. Let's make a giant, cool dragon from New Phyrexia. That seems amazing. It's got something to do with affinity. Exactly. This dragon happens to have affinity. I also love affinity. It's very fun on com from the command zone. On commanders, it can help pay your commander tax, which is very fun. Uh, I also think that anyone that runs this deck, I, I believe they're obligated to run uh, his oh, Tooth wow. and Scale. <laughs> I think if you're not running his Tooth and Scale in uh, the 99 of a Chiscoria deck, you are a coward. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's fine. Right. I'm going to disagree with Corey. You can play whatever magic cards you want. Well, you can move zero oh, it right. so that you have like, they have like super partner. Oh, so much yeah. that the Scale and the Tooth are in the command zone. Hey, if you're playing against me, I'm they're they're that. not they're pretty bad cards, so it's not, it's not going to cost much. Anyways, this is yeah, it's a sweet dragon. It uh, has affinity. It gives affinity for artifacts. It gives some random cards from your library affinity for artifacts. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, yep. Love and, it. And a deep cut. And a deep cut. Um, now I did also see, and and maybe Adam can speak more to this. Um, Mark Rosewater mentioned in his blog that Affinity was now deciduous, that we're going to be seeing it a little more often. Yeah, um, I think a lot of keywords, in, and I think Affinity for various things. This yeah. one has Affinity for Artifacts, which is the most famous yep. thing to have Affinity for. But uh, you'll see in the main set, not, not during the show, but there are a couple cards with Affinity for other things mm -hmm. uh, in the main set. So uh, Affinity was in... Um, Mirrodin was kind of famously fairly broken. Do you th yeah, <laughs> true. So is it, I'm assuming the design team has learned a lot about how to cost things and, and the type of effects you can use. Yeah, Affinity. over the past you know 20 years or so, we've gotten a little bit better at cost reduction mechanics and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But um, I think that the key to it is to not have these land artifact lands. Yeah. That also. Uh, reduce your, you know, help out with affinity. Yeah. And affinity for different things that you have to kind of invest more in. Okay. So you're saying lands that tap for two plus mana don't 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 have a place in standard. Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. That is. Yeah. Write that one down. <laughs> write it down. <laughs> two plus <laughs> mana. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next card, which has another callback mechanic in it. So this is Tangle Weave Armor. Oh, yeah. So this is two green and a green for an artifact equipment with living weapon. Uh, equipped creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the greatest mana value among your commanders, and then it has equip four. All right, Corey, a lot going on with this one as well, including, I think you said, a rule change? Yes, there is a lot going on in Tangleweave Armor. At its very core, this is uh, looking at the main set, seeing for, uh, for Mirrodin as a mechanic, and thinking to myself, what about Living Weapon? What happened to all of our cool Living Weapons? Wouldn't a green Living Weapon be a cool concept, even? Uh, so, And that's another callback mechanic, right? Living yeah. Weapon, uh, the mechanic from the older set. And then we have this ability. So it gets plus X plus X, where X is the greatest mana value among your commanders. And I've messed around with this space before. In Strixhaven Commander, we had a card that scaled off of the greatest mana value among commanders you own in the battlefield or in your command zone. Mm -hmm. And then we also had in Midnight Commander, or sorry, in Midnight Set Booster cards, 
um, Midnight Hunt Tempester cards, there was these flashback cards that cost less for the same scaler. Right. So this is actually a little bit of a technology change or rules change. This one doesn't reference, doesn't care about what zone your commander's in. Uh, so your commander, usually it would say, it would scale off your commander if it was on the battlefield or in your command zone. And what we found was you would make your Tangle Armor, your commander would be in the command zone, it would have stats, and then you cast your commander, and while it's on the stack, it isn't on the battlefield. It isn't in either of those zones. Yeah. It is in the command zone. And your germ would just die. It's a zero zero. It dies by itself. Unless you target it with the, the scale of Chisgoria. Unless the, you target with the, the commander powerhouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the powerful <laughs> scale of Chisgoria, the only thing that could survive this interaction. Uh, yeah, so that prompted us to take a closer look at this. I love making these cards, so I also wanted to get the technology a little bit more streamlined, the mm -hmm. words a little bit easier to read. And so now, the way this works, this doesn't care if your commander is on the battlefield, in your command zone, in exile, in your graveyard, on the stack, in your library even. Uh, this assumes that you remember the mana value of your commanders. Mm -hmm. And typically, we don't do a lot of this stuff because we care about memory and tracking. And if you can't see a card on your board, how are you supposed to track yeah. the stat of its mana value? But in Commander specifically, you build your whole deck around your Commander. You're, yeah. you're building 99 cards thinking about your Commander. You're going to know its mana value. And with that assumption, I think we open up space to make some cool cards that scale off big Commanders here. Fair enough. Cool, you should have made this colorless so that I could put it in my Kozilek deck. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah, how dare you. Yeah, yeah, it's my fault. I slighted you, specifically. <laughs> All right, next up. Hey, speaking of your colorless deck, here's a card that it, it can go in there, although I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> uh, it's Lux Artillery. <laughs> so it is a four mana, colorless artifact. Great. Uh, but then it has this ability, when you cast an artifact creature spell, also great for your cause-like deck, uh, it gains Sunburst. Ooh, tough. Less great. Less great. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if there are 30 or more counters among artifacts and creatures you control, Lux Artillery deals 10 damage to each opponent. So, uh, Big Gun goes pew pew, Corey. Yes, Big Gun goes pew pew. I think you've summed it up. But, uh, no, this does a lot for what's worth. I think this could go in your Colo deck depending on the lands you run. Uh, they changed the rule a while ago, so you can actually produce mana of non-colorless types, as long as you have the lands that produce mana of any color and the color identities, right? Anyways, just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sunverse mechanic from another old set. Pretty fun. Uh, one odd thing, I think those who have been paying really close attention probably noticed that this says plus one, plus one counter. A forbidden counter among Phyrexia all no. will be one. Plus one, we, plus one counter? Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Adam. Uh, but I don't know what you're talking about. I've For the fans at home who you. actually don't know what they're talking about, we talked about it last week in that uh, the main set has no plus one, plus one counters um, because of the other right. counter shenanigans going on, oil counters. Uh, that's uh, poison counters, that sort of deal. And um, so no plus one, plus one counters in the main set, but you got to pass for, for these. Yeah, psych. Uh, I've defied Adam and all of his rules. Now, really, the no plus one, plus one counters serves two purposes, right? One, there's an aesthetic purpose where, oh, everything's poison, it's oil, it's different, it feels alien in some ways. The second is that it's confusing with little counters, and it's a very big gameplay thing. But yeah. these cards are not meant to be drafted with the rest of All Will Be One set. And so there gives a little bit more leeway. And then really the tiebreaker is, can we print Sunburst on a card? Yeah. And Sunburst is cool enough that we said, yeah, let's do it anyways. Cool. <laughs> so here we are, Sunburst <laughs> card, cool card, destroys your opponents. Uh, that last ability, by the way, is another, uh, another nicely massaged ability by our good friends in casual play design. Cool. All right, our final set booster commander card. Uh, this is one that leaked, but it's exciting, and uh, a lot of people have been talking about it. This is Urtet Remnant of Memnark. Three mana for a colorless legendary artifact creature, Mirror. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever you cast a Mirror spell, create a 1-1 one -one colorless Mirror artifact creature token. At the beginning of combat on your turn, untap each Mirror you control. And then four, five different colors of mana. Tap, put three plus one, plus one counters on each mirror you control. 
activate only during your turn. All right. Big legendary mirror here, Corey. We did it. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Uh, I love mirror. I love mirror so much. Mirror are my best friends. And I was looking through the one set file. And Adam has disgraced me and fellow fans of the mirror. There's like three, maybe. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but there's definitely less than five. And that, that was incorrect. <laughs> so here's a cool mirror. It's a mirror commander. You can play all your mirror friends. You can do all the busted things or all the not busted things with Urtet, our favorite Remnark. Uh, remnants of Memnark. Sorry, I combined those two words for some reason. Uh, no, this is, a, this is a sweet card. You can do a lot of cool stuff, stuff with it. Love the of the little faces of these yeah. tiny little robots. And I also want to call it, chat has, chat has picked up on this. So you'll see on the left that the uh, normal version has a mythic symbol. The extended version on the right has a rare symbol. Uh, that is correct to how the cards uh, are printed. So it will drop at a mythic rarity rate in set boosters. In uh, collector boosters, the extended version will drop at a rare right now. That was not obviously the intention, but that's the way the card ended up printed. There is going to be a statement also on Daily MTG, which has basically just what I said. Um, but those rarities you see printed on the card are true to how the card is printed in the boosters. Yeah, one more thing on Urte, I just want to call it out. Typically, at least moving forward, commander philosophy in general has started to uh, shy away from or try not to do as many five color commanders mm -hmm. that are maybe colorless or one card in the in the mana cost uh, and I understand that Urtet very directly says like no this is like it's literally shaped like Golos in a sense it's colorless as the five color in the mana yep. cost um, that is something we're thinking about I think with this card specifically a uh, few things were happening one was this is a mirror yeah, mirrors are colorless, and they tap for mana, and they have all this stuff. And the shape was very befitting of a five-color mirror, and you yeah. wanted to play all your uh, mana dwarf mirrors, which had a bunch of color identities. Uh, so we knew we needed some five-color thing, yeah. and again, it just looked like a mirror. And the card is so specific. Yes, it, you just want to play mirror in the deck. It, you're not really playing, uh, you know, good stuff five-color. You're just playing a bunch of mirror and stuff. So there was a lot of factors where we thought that this was a pretty safe place to deploy that kind of shape. Uh, and it really fit aesthetically with the rest of the creature type and all the creatures in that type. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to, hey, we are thinking about that type of stuff, uh, and we're being really smart on where we deploy five-color stuff among our commander yeah. design stuff. You know my goal with this card is? Yeah. So in original Mirrodin, there are five mirrors. They're mm -hmm. chuck two mana one ones, and they tap for this. Yep. I want to get all five of them out, Yeah. tap them for this ability, and then you can untap them with, yeah. and then you with that ability. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. I actually, um, very early in uh, Phyrexia set design, um, this card was in the main set file. Um, but then we decided that, oh, there aren't enough mirrors. This is kind of like a trap. If you see this, you kind yep. of expect other mirrors. So like, oh, this is a really cool card. A legendary mirror should totally exist. What, what can we, how can we salvage this card? And then yeah. Corey stole sense. it from me. Stole it. Yeah. It sounded like you weren't using it, Adam. You stole it. That's what I tell my kids all the time. You can't be mad that you took it if you weren't using it. Right. That's kind of exactly what happened. So we're just like, like children away. now. Yeah. Adam was throwing away all his mirror, and I was scrounging from the trash, yep. finding this golden no, child. No, about that. Something happened. But all it's right. a very cool card. Mm. All right. Um, okay. That concludes our set booster exclusive section. Uh, Corey's still going to stay right here. He's got plenty to say. Uh, we are going to uh, now switch over to some main set cards that we have to preview. Uh, previews are coming to a close, and so we've got some, some cool stuff here to show, uh, including a, we're going to kick it off with a cycle of uh, common lands. So these are very the five common spheres uh, I'm not going to read them all, but they all have sort of the same deal. They're all lands, spheres. Uh, they all enter the battlefield tapped. They all tap for their individual color of mana. And then for one and their color of mana, you can sacrifice them to draw a card. So, Adam, tell me about these in, in yeah. the set. So the, the most obvious thing 
that jumps off the page here is their land type spheres. Mm -hmm. um, so Phyrexia is a world with nine layers of things, and we depicted them on nine different lands, mm -hmm. and they're the nine spheres of Phyrexia. So you see five of them here, um, and then there are also four additional rares with the sphere type. Okay. And they don't have a lot of uh, gameplay relevance. Okay. There's not like a sphere matters card or anything like that. I, I, I seem to remember there are a couple cards that reference spheres. There's, there's, there's I believe, exactly one. Exactly one. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, these are uh, these are five of the nine spheres of Phyrexia, and for um, these are mostly designed for limited gameplay. Um, a lot of a lot of big issues in limited, especially with the mechanics of the set, is that mm -hmm. there weren't uh, ways to kind of like um, mitigate drawing too few or too many lands. And so okay. we added a bunch of different things. These are lands that help you from getting flooded uh, later in the game. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I have too many lands. Cash this in for a new card. Yep. Um, they're pretty efficient at doing that um, relative to some other designs in this space. Yeah, I had two, two manas on the lower end for sacrificing one of these. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so that's one of the ways, like, these are pretty strong. Mm -hmm. uh, I recommend taking them quite early uh, if you're worried about mana flooding. All right. Uh, next up, so the, we were talking about this before we got on the show. Uh, totally unintentionally, of the five cards we have to show off, we have a reprint, three cards that very strongly reference uh, old Mirrodin cards, and then um, one card that you'll you'll get it when we get there, but they were just cards that spoke to me, and that's because I'm old and I was around for all of this stuff. <laughs> uh, first up, an old favorite is returning. Uh, at Uncommon, it's Thrumming Bird. So Thrumming Bird is, if you aren't familiar, one in a blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer. It's a creature Phyrexian bird horror. Great type line. And when Thrumming Bird deals combat damage to a player, proliferate. And then you've got that Iker Showcase version in the center, and the Step and Complete Foil. Note on some of the Step and, on, a, on all the Step and Complete Foils we're going to show, uh, the, the digital rendering of the foiling is uh, not great and not there. Uh, so we are showing it for completeness sake and so that you can see the number at the bottom, but in real life it's a shiny uh, foil Phyrexian symbols all over that. And we have a couple of versions of uh, those online that you can see, um, but just note that's not what the foiling looks like on those. Anyway, Thrumming Bird's back. So uh, one of the important um, people on the course of the Phyrexia set design team is Carmen Handy. Mm -hmm. She's great. She loves Phyrexia. It's her favorite place. Yep. Um, and she did amazing work all throughout the, like, you'll see all the cards, most of the cards we see here are just, like, very directly attributed to her work. Okay. Um, and this is one of them. She was like, Oh, this is exactly what this kind of uh, our limited uh, proliferate archetypes kind of the shape of the card. What? Yeah. Not just use the original. This is a very beloved proliferate card. Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite proliferate card from original's card. Yeah. There weren't very many of them, believe it or not. Yep. Um, but like I loved playing with this card, um, and it plays super well. It's at its best in like a uh, blue black like kind of slow proliferate deck. You get it like a little poison. You kind of plink away, and you kind of slowly take. Mm -hmm. uh, take that up either to get corrupted or even to actually get all Yeah, this kind of has like secret infect and um, yeah. <laughs> um, Ollie Eldrazi uh, is in chat and noted that he top aided with this card actually. Nice. I, I also had a really fun standard deck. I would really prefer like Tumble Magnets and Everflowing Chalice mm -hmm. and Ink Moth Nexus. Yep. Poison Counters. Yep. I'll note that this card is no stranger to yeah, I believe that. <laughs> very yep. cool, very versatile. Planeswalkers love it, as the art may not suggest. Believe it or not, counters are all over magic. Yeah, and all good. over Phyrexia. <laughs> True. All right, next up, we have another blue card. So this is Unctus Grand Metatech. So for one blue blue, you get a legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Vettelkin. It's a 2-4. Other blue creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes tapped, draw a card, then discard a card. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And then for a Phyrexian blue mana, until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a blue artifact in addition to its other colors and types. Activate only as a sorcery. And then you've got those sweet variants on the right there. 
Uh, all right, Adam, what's going on with this card? So um, <clears throat> if you uh, were around for original um, Scars of Mirrodin, mm -hmm. um, this I is was. a I'm old. yeah. This is a famously the Grand Architect, but now formally a legendary creature. Mm. Um, so we wanted to make a design that was a nod to that card and a lot of similar uh, fish. There's the Grand Architect here on yep. the right. Um, loved playing with this card too. I actually played this and Thrumming Bird in the same same deck. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is really cool. Um, just kind of the whole like blue creatures get some ability, artifact creatures get another ability. Yep. And then this last ability kind of, uh, you know, makes them both uh, blue and artifact. Yeah. Um, and those two cards actually work well together. They do. They do. So you can the Grand Architect is not legendary, yep. but Onkus is in fact legendary yep. uh, now. And fun fact, or not fun fact, depending <laughs> on your opinion of Phyrexian Mana, this is one of just a, a handful of cards in the set with Phyrexian mana. Mm -hmm. Actually, Anna, there's uh, I, there's five Mythic rares and I believe two rares. Yep. Um, with Phyrexian mana in their activations. Right. Uh, so there's just a little bit of Phyrexian mana, not not all, not a ton. Just dip in your when you're when you're talking about broken mechanics. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the yeah. that's the big reason it is uh, quite broken. There's also the only ones in the mana cost are the Planeswalkers. Right. Exactly. All right. Uh, we have another. I don't want to call it a deep cut because it's this was a, this is a play off a card that saw quite a bit of tournament play actually back in the day, uh, and this card looks strong as well. It is Rhea Ivor, Bane of Bladehold. So for two, a white and a black, uh, you get a three-four legendary creature, Phyrexian Knight. It has Battle Cry. Sure does. Battle Cry. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, the next time target creature would deal combat damage to one or more players this combat, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, create that many 1-1 colorless Phyrexian Might Artifact creature tokens with Toxic 1 and this creature can't block. All right, Adam, what's going on here? All right, so this, this was where we were... Uh, at some point, uh, you kind of take a look at the suite of legendary characters, figure out who, uh, who and what colors they are. Mm -hmm. And Carmen, she's going to come up a lot. She's like, what if this is just the hero of Bladehold? Um, we kind of had this design before we had the character. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a great fit. Oh, how do we make it obvious? Because, you know, hero of Bladehold is not a legendary creature. Right. Is like I know battle cry that'll do it. Battle cry. Um, so battle cry does a couple things here. One, it gets ridiculous once you've hit, uh, activated the uh, use the abil second ability of making a bunch of might tokens. Mm -hmm. It both increases the number of might tokens you get and makes those mites more potent. Yep. Um, but yeah, just giving kind of I call it might link mm -hmm. um, yeah. instead of life link. Yeah. Um, so you make that many mites when you deal that much damage. Mm -hmm. um, Stats four mana three four. That is that is true. In fact, uh, the the casual play design team, as we uh, they actually liked the this stat line. This is not this you know initial stats like it's like a kind of cheaper smaller thing at first, and mm -hmm. they're like, what? If, I think this is four mana three four same stats <laughs> is, is actually the most fun. So I'm like, okay, that sounds awesome. Yep. I remember seeing the casual play design team play with this card a lot. Yeah, they the, absolutely the did. Like fun shape for it. And you would see, like, you go over see their battlefields, and it's just like a row of mites, you know, like, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 deep or whatever. Uh -huh. um, this is very, very cool, very explosive. Yeah. Um, in a lot of situations. Cool. But, yeah, uh, in terms of keywords that we haven't seen, uh, I think you'll see that a little bit more often going okay. forward. Um, Battlecry is, like, I, this is the only card in the set with Battlecry, yeah. but that's okay because it made a lot of sense here. So when it makes sense, we'll deploy old keyword or you know yeah. keywords not in the set on just a handful of cards. Okay. All right. Next up, uh, mechanically has some callbacks, but really it's just it's just another version of a legend. It's version 2.0 of Thrun, formerly the last troll. Now the Breaker of Silence. So it is three green and green for a 5-5 legendary creature, Troll Shaman. 
This spell can't be countered. It has trample. Uh, Thrun Breaker of Silence can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control. And as long as it's your turn, Thrun has indestructible. Adam, we brought back Thrun. We did. So unlike the previous card, uh, Rear of Orb, uh, this one was character first. Like We knew we wanted to bring Thrun back. We wanted to make the last troll basically a lie, not the last troll. <laughs> we, there'll be plenty of additional trolls. Um, but yeah, Thorn's character is very like, I am super hard to kill, interact yep. with. Yep. Um, things like that. So it's like, you know, the whole can't be counter, the, I'll call it hexproof from non-green, but you have to target with a green yep. thing. It could be a multicolor green thing. Yep. So you can Assassin's Trophy or Maelstrom Pulse or, you know, whatever your multicolor green yep. thing is. Um, it's still vulnerable to mass removal, which is yes. typically sorcery speed. Yep, uh, there are ways to, yeah. uh, it's got weaknesses, but it is, a lot of its strength is in being like super hard to mm -hmm. deal with by most conventional means. Yep. All right. And then finally, we had to end on this one. It only makes sense. Uh, our final preview card for the day is called All Will Be One. We said That's the, the thing. name of the set. That's the name That's of the set. The we name. said the thing. We made the card. It is All Will Be One. It is a red enchantment for three red and a red. Whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, All Will Be One deals that much damage to target opponent, creature and opponent controls, or planeswalker and opponent controls. And you've got that sweet, sweet art uh, showing Elish Norn in the middle there. Uh, all right, what's going on with this card, Adam? This is just, uh, this is one of my favorite cards in this set. I really love this design. I, you know, I love being able to, like, do something with all of your counters. Uh, it feels super red to me, mm -hmm. um, but also very engine-y, yep. uh, which, which I always have. Like, I for me, like, I would play this with like a bunch of like charge counters and little oil counters with artifacts. Yep. That's where it's really potent within the context of this set. Proliferate, um, yeah. Proliferating is like, oh, I'm gonna deal a bunch of damage yeah. whenever I proliferate. Um, but the the real kicker is uh, this is really strong with planeswalkers. Mm -hmm. You just play a planeswalker. If it enters its four loyalty, you're ah, yeah. to something. So whenever you use a plus loyalty ability. Yep. It triggers. Okay. And right. so, yeah, that's that's where a lot of things, and I think that's a really, uh, you know, I fought for that ability mm -hmm. to because I think it is super cool and super aspirational. And uh, as you can see with some other cards in this set, like, there are some very cool Planeswalker-related cards Yeah. Uh, in this set because there are 10 of them. Yep. That's, you know, a lot more than normal. So I feel like, oh, some of these cards that really keyed off Planeswalkers mm -hmm. uh, would do a lot, so... Makes sense. In my head, I'm just thinking of all like the green cards that double counters, like mm -hmm. Colonial Hydra and some other cards. So that's what I'll be doing. Yeah. No, there are a lot of green cards that just add counters on your upkeep or at the beginning of combat or when you do a thing. Yeah. I'm not talking add counters. I'm doubling counters. You're doubling yeah. counters. Only doubling uh, counters. I'll play with your Sunburst. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sunburst <laughs> yeah. card. That's that go. sounds really fun. That's a there good you one. Go. All right. Those are all the previews we have today. We do have about 20 minutes left with Adam and Corey. So if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in chat. It's going to be easier for me to see them if you start with at magic. Um, and we will go from there. So let's see. Um, I got this question last week. You can say yes or no, Adam. Uh, will there be any new pioneer Sorry, new two Pioneer reprints that have not been revealed yet in this set. That's tough. I'm pretty sure have we revealed the lands. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So the Allied Fast Lands. Yep. Uh, that Pioneer was a really big consideration um, for those lands uh, to be in this set. Yeah. Uh, kind of wanted to make, you know, when we started Pioneer, there was a kind of imbalance among... The lands, yeah. Uh, allied yep. mana bases and any mana bases were 
strangely, the enemy mana bases were stronger because they were trying to correct our previous yep. imbalances. But now we're trying with the Fastlands, Ally Fastlands to Pioneer, trying to make it closer to, you know, even. Mm -hmm. And I think the Fastlands are the strongest missing, maybe even the strongest dual lands in Pioneer. Yeah. So I think it'll be a big, big shift in terms of what you can do with your allied color decks. All right. Um, so where are the battle cards? So for those who don't know, uh, Traxa, a card that was previously revealed, uh, talks about different types of cards. And in there, there's a little, little says battle as a, as a card type. It's, it's a thing. Uh, they're not in this set. They're not in this set. We'll see. Um, all right. Next question. Um, okay, I did see this a couple times, and, and you two are not on the rules team, so they may or may not be able to answer this, but we'll throw it out there. You guys might know the answer. Uh, Rhea, and there are a couple of other cards that say this too, says the next time target creature deals combat damage to one or more players, how does one creature deal combat damage to more than one player? Yeah, Hydra Omnivore, right? There's some cards like Hydra Omnivore that when it deals damage, I don't know if it's a trigger. I think it's not a trigger. You're, it might yeah, be a trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, I, yeah, when it deals combat damage to a player, then it deals the combat damage to oh, all the players. A, that's not a trigger, though, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't have any specific card examples. Yeah. It but it is possible. Mm -hmm. So the rules team is really good at coming up with like these corner cases yep. where there needs to be an answer. And mm -hmm. this is a really good case of like there needs to be an answer and like as a designer I'm like this is comes up so infrequently I don't care what the answer is yeah, yeah. really like if you want to do your cool thing sure and so I'm on the side of okay let them have like if you do this really weird thing of like dealing combat damage to multiple players mm -hmm. okay yeah you, you get your your tokens yep um but it's not the the question is correct and like that seems really hard to do. It is okay. It's just there for there needs to be an answer for some rules corner cases. Right, fair enough. Just in case you can do it or you can never do it sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, all right. The Monument to per Perfection card speaks about sphere, basic, but also locus. Uh, are there any locus in the set? There are not. Okay. So it's one of those things bringing like kind of. The errors, different Mirrodin errors. So, like the locusts are from original Mirrodin, like Cloud Post, and then Scars of Mirrodin has a Glibber Post, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So, like, oh, can you get this? Yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. It's a cool thing to, without adding an additional locust to the set, there are the spheres here. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, oh, that's a cool, cool callback. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun little Easter egg with some functional relevance to yeah. someone somewhere. Yep. Um, okay, next up. All right, here's a question. I, I'm going to stick to set-specific questions for the moment. I do see the question about um, our website and content no longer being available. Uh, I am going to, it's, it's a totally fine question that I could talk about, but we're going to try to stick to, since this is a Brexit, I'll be one stream, we're going to try to stick to those things. Um, you guys aren't lore. How, how much of the lore of the set do you know? Um, I'll answer if I know. All right. Uh, was Realm Breaker completed? Sorry, completed early due to Nissa's involvement. Sounds like a. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Okay, don't know is fine. Um, ba 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 ba. Uh, is there a list of employees attending? Uh, I think they mean Magic Fest Philly. Want to get some signatures? There's not a there's not a public list. I'll be there. Uh, are you guys going to Philly? I am not. I'm not. Not okay. I am. I'm doing a panel. Ooh, uh, we're actually we're actually doing this show on Sunday. We're doing the uh, first oh. look at March of the Machine. Yeah. Um. Ba, 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 ba. Let's see. Yep. The one or more. We answered that. A lot of people were interested in the one or more. Um. It is very weird. I will. It is very weird. People noticed it. Yeah. We we saw some of the comments on social media about it. Um, but yeah, the the answer is just it can happen, and so might as well plan for it. Um, I noticed no Phyrexian. What I. 
think they're, here's, I'm going to ask what I think this question is getting towards. <laughs> um, I noticed no Phyrexian um, like Lord or, or something that cared about the Phyrexian creature type in this set. Yes. Uh, can we look forward to something like that in the near future? Yeah, that's a really good question. And not something we brought up, like a huge percentage of the creatures in the set, mm -hmm. like I want to say more than 70%, yeah. are Phyrexian. Yep. And so to have a, uh, a Lord, or a Phyrexian Matters thing, mm -hmm. that is really close to saying creatures matter yeah. uh, in the context of this set. So we avoided specifically uh, any sort of uh, Phyrexian creature type matters mm -hmm. uh, in this set. Okay. That makes sense. It, it would be like if we went to Elf World and most of the creatures were elves and then we made an Elf Lord, yeah. We had a similar um, similar thing we had to really, uh, with uh, Eldraine. Mm -hmm. um, we had humans and non-humans. Yep. Where, like non-humans was like so close to like creatures. Yeah. Uh, we had to, you know, up the number of humans to make it number, but we didn't want to here. This is the Phyrexian home world. Yep. Uh, it was important for us to have so many Phyrexians mm -hmm. here, so we decided to make them not mechanically matter. Yep. So many of the rebels are expressed through equipment spells too. Right. So you end up with literally most creature spells are Phyrexian. Yeah, most most creatures that aren't a to tokens that come with an equipment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I've seen a couple questions about this. Um, you can answer yes or no for this set specifically. Um, are we going to be seeing a new version of Scytherix at some point? There's not a Scytherix in this set. Okay. Um, buh, 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 buh. Some of these questions are doubled. Um, when are we going to find out what the battle card type looks like? Eventually. Or not. One day. One day. One day. I mean, we got contraptions, so like we're gonna we'll we'll get to it eventually. Um, are there going to be any cards that remove poison counters in this set? Uh, no. So, um, Mark Rosewater is a very big proponent of this, and I thousand percent agree with him. Uh huh. Um, it is really important when you have different zones or different types of things um, to differentiate that between them mm -hmm. mechanically. And so if, if you could remove poison counters, um, poison would just feel like a different, a second life total. So I'm like, yeah. good thing that it's not important, but like not being able to undo the poison yeah. is a really big part of like the dread of Phyrexia, you know, Phyrexia is coming for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it also makes it very distinct from a second life total. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it is very important not to be able to uh, undo poison counters. Like, there's, like, a Homelands card, I Leeches. think. Yeah, it's Leeches. Like, yeah. Leeches, yeah. It's, like, very <laughs> basically just, like, this is not what yeah. poison should do. You know, <laughs> this is not, should not be part of the magic, but, but it like, is. That's what leeches do in the magic multiverse. They remove poison, apparently. They, they do in, you know, on what? Earth as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, will there be an organized play stream as an update to the one you did with uh, Billy Jensen last year? Yeah, actually, Billy Jensen is going to be on the show on February 7th. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff, and we'll talk a little bit about Philly and um, a couple of play updates there. So, yeah, February That's like 7th. That's two weeks from now. That's like two weeks from now. So, yeah, we have, we have a couple exciting. We have, I would say, three pretty, I mean, all our shows are great, but we have some, some exciting shows coming up. All of our shows are great. All of your shows All of will them. be one. Mm. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, given his appearance in the story with a new design, I was surprised at the lack of a new Tibbles card. Was there ever a plan for him to appear in the set? Uh, I think by the time I started working on the set, boy, we knew the 10 Planeswalker characters. I can't really speak to all of like. Our world building and story teams uh, do a lot of work way ahead of that, mm -hmm. but like pretty er like pretty early on from my standpoint, maybe not from their standpoint, um, the ten planeswalkers were were locked in, at least their characters. Okay, ahead of time. So that's more a 
question for the story side. Yeah. All right. Um, I think Rosewater's talked a little bit about this in his articles, but I'll, I'll ask you for your take on it. Were there any other considerations for toxic that had different variations in comparison to infect or um, any of the other poison mechanics that have been around? Yeah, love talking about toxic. Um, so vision design tests a, a, a lot of different things. It's like one of the core tenets in Mark Rosewater has talked about in his article, if you want to go more in depth. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the core tenets of returning effective is we want to do poison counters in some way. Yes. How do we do that? Like, uh, in fact, was kind of all or nothing, where it's like some they don't deal regular damage. That's a really big strike for like them working with your regular creatures. Mm -hmm. um, and do we want to do it mostly through creatures? And yes, that's probably dealing combat damage is the most fun way to get poison counters. Um, although we did add some other ways to give somebody a poison counters. I believe uh, a card got previewed as like a fight spell that gives your opponent a poison counter, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of that, the vision design team landed on poisonous and we just changed it to toxic, just slightly for like digital uh, reasons, like uh, poisonous appears on two cards in future sight, that's it, mm -hmm. um, and is a triggered ability, so it's like, I deal you one damage and then trigger, then you get a poison counter. Yeah. Just clean that up, you get it all at once. Um, fewer clicks on you know, our digital platforms um, and just generally cleaner gameplay. So we liked, ended up liking Poisonous a lot yeah. and just cleaned it up a little bit and now you have Toxic. Cool. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but um, are we going to see all nine spheres in the set? Yes, all, there are nine spheres in the set. Um, we saw we previewed the uh, five common lands, and those are one of each color. Um, and then there are four rares that are colorless. They're not aligned with any particular color. Mm -hmm. um, and they all have the sphere types, and they're all at rare. All right. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. Corey, I don't know how much you can speak to this, but I'll, I'll throw it out there. Um, has there been consideration, conversation, etc., of upping the amount of poison counters needed to end a game in Commander um, with the Rules Committee? I mean, yeah. Uh, very early on, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. I think poison in Commander, from, from the starting place, it was a conversation. What was going to happen here? What do we need to do to make a pre-constructed deck that worked with poison that didn't feel as scary or... Uh, you know, as antagonistic as mm -hmm. usual, and so we put a lot of work into that. Very early on, I was suggesting to people that we just change poison to half your life total, and then we just make that the rule across the board. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, early on in the pre-con process, there was a different commander lead, Aradnia. She was working on those decks, and I believe that we ended up talking to the rules committee a little bit, having a conversation, or we just had a conversation with our philosophy, like our commander group in general, who holds the philosophy and I think we ended up uh, at a starting point we wanted to build the deck with status quo mm -hmm. like let's build our poison commander deck and see how it flies and see how it flies under status quo and uh, because a rules change would just it didn't seem super warranted that the types of things that people were killing the opponents quickly in commander with poison were more like, surprise, I infect you with my giant creature. Yeah. Uh, and if we changed it, uh, people are just going to have bigger creatures and do the same thing. Yeah. Um, whittling someone down to 10 poison uh, felt like an okay speed at the right power level. Okay. Uh, and the deck that we have doesn't really motivate you to uh, kind of kill your opponents as quickly as possible. It motivates you to gain a lot of value by corrupting them very early and even then changing the poison to 20 counters would almost make the poison completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. If I'm hitting my poison with 20 damage, or if I'm hitting my opponent with 20 damage, I'm hitting them with 20 damage, right? Yeah. They're already gonna be so so low. Uh, and obviously I, I think a lot of people bring up the threshold of 15 as well. Mm -hmm. um, but even then that felt like too small of a change. So there was a lot of conversations, a lot of considerations, a lot of factors. Uh, the best world that we can live in is that there's no rules changes and all the execution of the poison cards makes sense. And I think we've 
entered that world where there are no rules changes and all of the executions of the cards and the play patterns, they make sense, they feel like poison, mm -hmm. they feel like you're playing Phyrexia, everything is good. So I'm quite happy with where we landed, but we did consider everything. Okay. Yeah, I, I have my own story here. Like early on, and said when I took over, I was like, "Oh wow, we're adding like a lot of poison cards mm -hmm. to Commander," mm -hmm. which like uh, I think a, one of the things that holds it back is like there just aren't that many cards with poison that get yep. poison counters, Commander. So I'm like, I I kind of moved in as like, "Oh, we're totally gonna have to change mm -hmm. something." But as we played, we felt like a lot of cards we were adding add finite amount of counters yeah so toxic doesn't scale with your you know your pump spells right. or it's hard to be like add toxic or yeah. add poison scale scale your poison uh all that well it's just like nope you scale the size of your creature yeah but you deal still deal two toxic or three toxic or you know one toxic mm -hmm. um and so as we kept playing it was like no 10 is correct but yeah i absolutely had the conversation and i actually moved uh, went into the whole process thinking that we would. Okay. And over time, it became pretty obvious that we didn't. Okay. Um, and that might change, like, if, you know, there's a lot of um, infect cards from Scarlet if those started getting more popular in Commander, mm -hmm. we'll react. Yeah. Like that. Uh, and I think that's the stance of the Commander Rules Committee. Yeah. as well. As a reminder, like we don't control all the rules for Commander, right? Yeah. So it kind of has to be a conversation the rules committee, mm -hmm. uh, which it was. Yeah. Um, but again, I think we lend. I, I also like Adam. Early on, I was a little like I knew we had to do poison for Commander. I was skeptical. I thought it was going to change, uh, and then just playing it proved us wrong. Right. It was like, nope, this is actually fun and cool, and corrupting is actually fun and cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Last question we have time for. You managed to fit a lot of callback legendary creatures in this set. We previewed True. some of them. Uh, were there any you would have liked to include that ultimately didn't make the cut? Um, the short answer to that is no. Um, the long answer is like the cast of legendary characters is um, kind of there are enough legendary characters that we can kind of fit in the things that we want to fit. Mm -hmm. um, so between the world building teams, like you need to have this character, um, they're a big part of the story. And design side, like, you know, Carmen's like, ooh, it'd be really cool if this black white character was a hero blade hold. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, we had plenty of space to make it. And every once in a while, um, Sets can be like, ooh, we want so many characters, but they're all the same color. Like, for example, all the vampires in, in the Stride Crimson Vow wanted to be like black and red, and we yeah. had to figure out how to, you know, make a wide variety of uh, legendary characters. But for Phyrexia, the uh, one cards that we wanted were all pretty color balanced. Okay. And so a lot of it was like, there's just a couple, you know, fill in here, um, here and there, and they're like, you know, the world building team wanted to um, Phyrexianize a couple of like fa you know other famous legendary characters, and it was like, oh, they all happen to work out. Yeah. Um, in this set, so it was, it was relatively smooth uh, in terms of figuring out the suite of legendary characters. Great. Did you have any? Uh, no, I, cool. you know when I saw gaps, we made Chiscoria and Urtet. So <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right, and then I will answer this last question I saw in chat because it's related. There will be a Legends of New Phyrexia article. I forget the timing off the top of my head, but sometimes Stibbs is in chat, and I know he knows what the date is, but it is coming. Um, okay, that is all the time that we have. I, I'm sorry to everyone whose question we didn't get to. I tried to keep them limited to this set, um, but there were a bunch of great questions that we unfortunately didn't have time for. Uh, coming up, we have some pretty cool shows. So next week, as per usual, we will be opening packs of Phyrexia All Will Be One, so you can get a look at what's in the different types oh, of boosters. Uh, no, because I do have a guest on that show already. Oh, sweet. Uh, remoting in from wherever he'll be uh, will be Matthew Lillard to come on and talk more about uh, the latest from Beatles and Grimm. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, that's fine. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I, so, I, I understand. Yeah. I love Matthew. Uh, yeah, Matthew's been on the show once before, and it was, it was great. Uh, but he'll be, he'll be coming in remotely this next time. Uh, the week after that, as I said earlier, Billy Jensen will be on the show to talk 
more uh, about play, about a couple small changes that are being made, uh, about the upcoming Pro Tour in Philadelphia, which is exciting. That's our first return to tabletop Pro Tour. Uh, we had Worlds, uh, but this is a, a bigger yeah. event and uh, really excited for that in Philadelphia. So we're going to do that on February 7th. The next week, uh, we will not have a show on Tuesday. Instead, we're doing a show at Philadelphia where we will do the first look for March of the Machine. So that'll be on the 19th. Uh, that will be live in Philadelphia, but we will also uh, tape it and put it up on YouTube afterwards. Uh, and then more cool stuff coming after that. But you know what? Three weeks is a pretty good run. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Corey, for staying with us and answering all the questions for our fans. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Yep. Yeah.